0: Welcome to episode four of Version Final, a podcast about where ideas come from. I'm Ben Pereira, and in this episode, we talk a lot about working independently. It's a topic that is relevant to how a lot of people work in creative fields, managing our own time and space, but also timely in a way that's unfortunate and scary. We recorded this episode on March 3rd, and obviously a lot has changed since then. Like most Americans, Condé Nast employees are working from home, working together via various digital platforms. We're seeing each other's homes, meeting each other's dogs, and even kids, which are kind of cool features of being on Zoom calls throughout the day. Despite being in New York, I don't feel particularly vulnerable, but I do worry about a lot of things now, like elderly or sick members of our communities, or a recent report that pregnant mothers in New York City won't be allowed to have their partners with them when they're giving birth because of the risk of COVID spread in hospitals. This disorienting way of living that we're all experiencing has made me think about a concept my friend Noah told me about a while back, which comes from Freud called Ordinary Misery. One of Freud's objectives was to help people move from what today we might call anxiety or depression to regular unhappiness, the kind of thing we all experience when everyday bad stuff happens to us. This isn't to suggest that we're all now pathologically damaged, but like most people, I think, I'm really looking forward to having ordinary pleasures and annoyances come back into my daily life. I'm personally looking forward to crowded sidewalks and that first semi-truck that honks at me on my bike. Okay, let's talk about today's guests. Julia and Abel Paris are a longtime married couple I'm fortunate enough to call friends. They might have the most productive apartment in New York City. Julia is a photographer and creative director through her studio, Analog is Heavy, and prolific creator of visual art. Abel is a designer and creative director at his WTF studio, a musician with projects like Commuter, which provided us the song you're hearing right now, and a multimedia artist. In our conversation, we talked about offices, remember those? The things that stop and simulate the creative process, why it's necessary to block time for yourself on your calendar, and they become the first guest to answer the final five. Our new round of questions will ask each guest. Okay, here are a couple highlights from our conversation.
1: When I was coming up as a young creative in high school, and even sometimes in the agency world, sometimes asking questions is seen as weakness. It's seen as like, oh, you don't really understand it, or you don't have vision. And it's like, no, man, asking questions and questioning everything is like the best part of making work better.
2: I think that humility is really important, and you have to be able to recognize when an idea should lead, regardless of who has the idea or where it comes from. Mm Sometimes it's not your idea, and the strongest thing for the work is to recognize that and to support and push that idea further. If you're intentionally creating a space to to let the ideas flow, you have to get up, away from your desk, change your scenery, be intentional about it, maybe put some vibes on your headphones, and create a different space for yourself. Create an environment and an atmosphere where you can let some ideas flow.
1: That's the other part of the process, is we'll both sit and sketch out things. And and so sitting is still, like uh, when we're working, sitting is still very active and we're drawing or writing. And we'll both go to the cafe together for a few hours and sketchbook and just kind of sit and work out things. And so that is a time where we try to be off of screens and away from any you know away from things and caffeinate and have a snack and just be there and write down thoughts and try to make connections and capture those thoughts as they come.
2: It's important to communicate what you're doing and how you work and when your results come back strong, no one's going to fault you for blocking time in your calendar and walking down the street and getting a coffee and walking around. If you're not speaking up and you're not doing this for yourself, then also agency culture will never change.
0: All right. We are here today with Abel and Julia Paris. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Great to be here. I want to start by doing things a little bit differently this time, um, because you guys are both artists and are married and know each other pretty well, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) both personally and through your work. I think it'd be interesting if you guys could introduce each other. Tell me about what the other
3: one does. Cool. Yes. You want to go first?
2: I would love to go first. (laughs) Great. Um, Yes, Abel Paris is a creative thinker, a leader, a maker, a poet, a musician, and a problem solver. He brings his love for craft to his design projects and infuses his self-directed projects with humor, curiosity, and a playful spirit. His love of typography is apparent in all of his projects. He's led large creative teams within agencies for the past decade, empowering his teams and pushing for creative excellence and relevancy. Many know him as the client whisperer, the guy with a mohawk who dances at his desk and fights to keep (laughs) the vibe alive. Yeah. He recently founded WTF Studio, just another example of his pithy wordplay and straight shooting philosophy, where his projects range from consulting, design, and creative direction. Notable clients include Taco Bell, VW, Google, and the Denver Nuggets, to name a few.
3: Dang, <laughs> wow.
0: Julia did her homework. I feel like, I feel <laughs> like, we're, cool. like we're
3: like renewing vows or something. Yeah. This is like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, 18 years ago, we wrote our own house,
3: so I guess it's...
2: I mean, um, we've also worked together
3: yeah, in agency
2: cool. and out of agency, so... Wow,
3: know. all right, well... All right, Abel, there's your bar. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I'll try, to do, I'll try to do Julia justice. Well, I, I wrote some, uh, some notes just kind of preparing, but... Um, here, so, Julia is an unstoppable force. She's thoughtful, caring, resourceful, and adventurous, She's the best travel partner, loves birthdays, and any excuse to dress in costume. She joyfully applies all these characteristics to her work as art director and photographer. She basically created a career around all the things she loves. Her commercial photography is much like her daily explorations. Where should we go? What should we wear? Who should we invite? Because the analog is heavy, the Crave studio she founded with a focus on photography, she does just that. Creative Strategy and Art Directions scouts locations and brings on stylists and talent for her colorful brand campaigns. And before Analog is heavy, she galvanized her skills in the advertising world, producing work for brands such as Sonos, Belvedere Vodka, and Equinox. And since being independent has shot for Jordan, Zappos, and Juice Press to name a few. She's on the board of directors of AIGA New York graduated top of her class at Rhode Island School of Design, is an honorary Girl Scout after her time teaching girls across the state of Massachusetts collage and photography. She publishes her own collage scene called Move Slow and also publishes her own editorial magazine full of photography, art directed, and shot by herself. The latest one was even recognized by PDN in their 2019 photo annual. I am personally consistently inspired by her independence and creativity and I'm always excited when she brings me on to collaborate.
0: So Abel, you're you're kind of newly freelance. Thanks, Abel. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, you're newly freelance. Julia, you've been on your own for a while. When was the last time you were in-house somewhere, on staff somewhere?
2: Five years ago. I started out in-house shooting and producing in agencies and grew my own photography career on the side, Um, hustling projects on the weekend, late night, retouching, anything I can do really to grow it um, out of school. Uh, Five years ago, I was at last place I was at was Wyden Kennedy. Um, It was awesome. Loved the experience. And then after that, I went independent. So it's been five years.
1: Right. Yeah, I should say I, I didn't give that in the intro. So, but one thing um, that Julia has done professionally before her own studio was, um, you know, being in house at advertising agencies such as McKinney, Big Spaceship, and Wyden Kennedy. And each one of those founded the photography studio there, built it, and founded the practice, and and did all the photography in house for clients such as like Heineken, ESPN, uh, Nationwide. Things you know, and now doing her own equinox, her equinox, and and doing her own client work. So you got to kind of help
0: build out that that practice, and that was a springboard into doing
1: absolutely into doing yeah. your own thing.
3: Absolutely,
2: okay. yeah.
3: Let's rewind a little bit. When did you guys meet? How old were you guys?
1: Uh, well, we don't want to say necessarily how old <laughs> we are now, but um, <laughs> I think uh, you could do. How long load. have you guys been together? No. We don't have to no no. Actually, I um, I moved to her high school uh, the, in my junior year. I moved, and I'm um, a couple years ahead of her. But I, um, I, I met her my junior year of high school, and uh, I graduated from the same school that she was going to, and so that's when we met. And we met in the dark room because uh, I was like the photo nerd of high school, and um, I was like the camera guy. I appropriate. Was, like, yeah, and I had, you know, I shot um, like for the paper and for the yearbook. And I was also like doing photo art and stuff. And so since it was, I moved there, I moved there the second semester of my junior year. So I didn't know anybody really. Um, And so photography was a way for me to just do my own solo thing. And that's how we officially met. And then we've been married since 2002.
2: Well, let me interject. This was the (laughs) 90s. This is the 90s, mm. uh, one of my clearest memories, early memories of Abel. Uh, he's in the hallway wearing this red plaid shirt, his overalls, he loved wearing the overalls. Yeah. And then he had his uh, 35 millimeter uh, SLR slung around his neck. you just kind of like hair, walk around the What was hall.
0: the hairstyle or headwear <laughs> or beard <laughs> no situation beard. at this no point beard. in in the arc of There was Abel. one
2: point where he did the bleach, the 90s bleached out hair look and it, turned kind of orange that was that was a sad there's a
1: lot of red in my hair so it just turned that was a sad
2: moment carrot top style but we didn't get together we We didn't get together in high school though (laughs) i we were very aware of each other um i may have had a tiny crush um but uh yeah we didn't get together in high school but we met in high school i just hated all the girls he dated
3: Wow. No, it's
2: okay. Yeah, no, me.
0: that's fine. Cool. We can make a turn. That's um, <laughs> we'll just, we'll <laughs> it what this podcast is going to be all about. It's going to be a therapy session. Going
2: deep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did each of you want to be then? You guys met in a photo studio, so it's not a far cry from where you're at now, but what it, did you have a sense of a career or was it, was, was that it more just like you like making photos and, and making cool stuff?
2: I always wanted to be in the creative arts, always, uh, especially in high school. By then, I was focusing on the visual arts, and um, I had been doing a lot of painting and drawing and more more formal kind of arts education as I was growing up. Uh, absolutely loved it. I had my, hi- my eyes set on going to art school and knew that if I wanted to get there, um, I'd have to get some substantial scholarships and help to, to be able to, to make it. So that was my number one focus. Everything I did, uh, in high school, uh, laddered back to that. Is this helping me get into school? Is this keeping me focused? Is this onward and upward? And, um, that's kind of how I went through high school, but always wanting to go to art school. Absolutely.
0: Probably uncommonly focused on what you wanted to be after, right?
2: Yeah, it was it was like punk shows and uh, art. That that was it. <laughs>
1: Uncommonly focused is a good way to describe her. Yeah, good. Um I before photography, I wanted to be a trumpet player, and I was I was I was practicing photography, and photography and trumpet had an overlap when I was young, like in ninth grade. Um, but then when I moved. I moved from Wyoming to Missouri on my 15th birthday, so that was big right into my sophomore year. So I went to three high schools, if you're keeping track. So this is, this is adds to like a weird high school experience for me. Three high schools over two states. But when we moved, my trumpet was like packed in boxes for like a year and, so it could, and I couldn't get it out. So, uh, and then by the time we did get it out, I had braces. <laughs> Good. Old, uh, so I had that bleached hair and braces for a minute, and that was good. Um, Cute look. Yeah. And then um, did the braces affect your your trumpet yeah, playing? Yeah, it was kind of like this doesn't this isn't good. And I, I hadn't played in like you know a school year, or so um, was kind of behind. And um, but at that point, I was just focusing on photography. But I I did want to be a photographer at that point, and I thought something like National Geographic or something, you know that's kind of I, I kind of do um, street style photography and kind of more of a like a documentary style where uh I thought something like a Nat Geo would be would be cool I just didn't I didn't have I didn't really have a path how to get there you know I didn't really know how that would work and then and when I did do a portfolio review at the school that Julia ended up going to I kind of got shut down because I didn't have the other formal training like drawing or painting or anything I had just focused on photography so
2: it was still a little old school I think they cut you too short
3: yeah um yeah i would i would say so you mean because you didn't have a have work to show coming in
2: well it's such an old school mentality for an art school to feel like um you know you're only relevant if you can draw and you can also paint and then you know photography is a secondary art that's a very old old model of thinking um and i think Uh, has probably kept a lot of people out of the arts that should have rightfully been there from the start. It makes me sad to hear that you were so discouraged from that.
1: Yeah, and it kind of stopped me for a a couple of years until Julia and I reconnected after she graduated high school and then when she was going to art school and that's actually when we started hanging out kind of for real and became really good friends. And she was in art school and I'd come to her studio and talk to her and her friends and she was like well, why aren't you in, why aren't you here you know and that she kind of put that question to me in a real serious way like for the first time um, and really encouraged me from then to follow it and get back into it and um eventually i did but um but it took yeah it took a couple years let's get back to let's get back to
0: today so you a few months ago you started WTF studio and then julia when did you how long has Analog Heavy been around?
2: I was, uh, when I started out five years ago, I was going under, under my name, Julia Paris Photography. And um, at that point, I was still really pushing and growing um, post-agency world. And my projects started to, uh, to grow to take on more art direction and concepting, which I abso- absolutely love, uh, as well as shooting. And then I found myself building these groups of collaborators and uh, crews that would scale up for larger projects or be nimble and light for smaller projects. And uh, it's been that way the last three, at least three and a half years. So this last fall, um, I felt like it was time to actually communicate um, that I was working as a studio and that I had many collaborators and that the scale of the projects were larger than just coming in and implementing someone else's idea. Although sometimes I still do that and that's fine. And so I rebranded as Analog is Heavy this last fall um, in October and um, it's been incredible. I don't know why I waited so long, but I think you know when you're building something new and you're not sure where it's going and projects start to grow, I think uh, at least for me, I needed some time to process that and and just give it a little bit of room to see see what was happening. And so finally this follows. It, it was time, it was time.
0: Does that change at all how you work or how you process how jobs come in? What's changed and what do you expect to change?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, at, Actually, a lot of things have changed. Uh, I think when you're when you're only operating under your name, um, there's an assumption that the scope of work you do is smaller, that your ability and the hats you wear on a project can be a little bit more limited. Um, and so I feel like under my name, it was very straightforward, there were smaller projects, and I wasn't being asked to Um, to bring art direction I wasn't asked to bring strategy photo strategy and thinking to the projects now I find myself being brought on more upstream oftentimes I'm working with uh, design studios or working with um, branding identity how do you translate that into imagery how do they work together that what's the strategy the rollout you know, I'm, I'm working in those types of spaces. And uh, it's incredible and refreshing to be brought in earlier on so you can actually affect and create that work instead of being brought in kind of at the very end to only implement. For me, it's much more fulfilling. I've always been interested in making and crafting imagery. That's really where I'm the most happy is where I can both think strategically and also think more um, abstractly, and I can kind of marry the two, uh, the two together in a visual. That's really my sweet spot. So, especially working in agency, I had incredible opportunities um, working on projects in different degrees to, to be around that type of thinking, to be around strategic thinking, and who is our target audience, and how do you reach them, and why? What's the nuance? What's the storytelling even around a still life product shot? What's the story around this? What are we trying to evoke? And so I feel like the marriage between, um, you know, a, being at being at RISD, which is a more conceptual art school, and the marriage between really a decade in agency life has kind of created this interesting space that I love to work in.
0: Right. I was wondering where you got the confidence to do that, like where you feel like
2: time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it's yeah, always been something
2: of, i've been interested in uh, absolutely but i don't know i feel like as you at, at least as i get older you know there's no time like the present to uh work on something you really care about and push it forward it's taken a long time to grow absolutely but i feel like confidence has come through time
1: yeah i would uh, as someone that kind of having watched this the, the entire time from the side um, and kind of and we've worked together a lot like uh, we were both at McKinney and Big Spaceship and um, have worked out of our home studio together Mm. since uh, you know off and on since like 2005 but what Analog is Heavy has been able to do is that you know before she was putting together teams and she was you know producing an entire photo shoot and doing all the things she just mentioned but under her own name it wasn't is um, out in front and analog is heavy you know being a creative studio with a focus on photographer uh, photography even even like that being the description of it has really helped art directors, creative directors and um, startup founders kind of realize that they can call on Julia to fill a pretty big gap in what they're doing because a lot of creative studios don't have a photography studio and they need that help and right now with, with all the uh, direct to consumer products that are launching and all the s- small brands are, are, are launching as well as some of the ones that have been around for a while doing a social campaign or brand campaign is um, you know largely relies on photography so it's really opened up a nice little runway for her to be able to do what she's doing so it's very cool
0: because there's a lot of overlap in what you guys do, do you guys seek out
3: opportunities where you can work together, or do those happen more organically?
2: Yeah, I seek them out.
1: <laughs> she she brings me onto projects all the time because um, she's always uh, even if she, even in her busiest times she's got a side thing she's doing because she she envisions photos and has to and just like has to make it. She'll just be like, "There's this idea I have," so like. W- will you get up at like seven a.m. on a Saturday and do this with me? And, Thank you, Abel. And um, but yeah, he's uh,
2: always game.
1: But like you know, like I said, he's such I'm, a so great so she collaborator. She cracks a whip though. Like if no, you're, if she, you're, they have a really sweet
0: dog uh, named Wiley.
2: Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Abel's hanging on the couch with Wiley. And she yeah, was like, it's hard Yo, to pull me away <laughs> from the park. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta get back to work, dude.
1: Yeah, no, she, but she like envisions the photos. You know, that's where like it's much different than um, my how I approach photography. Um... And, and it's it's really cool. It's really cool to see how um, she envisions it and puts together like a t- you know a team of like six or eight people and or whatever it is uh, you know for the project. And whether it's her personal project and we're shooting in the Rockaway or it's for a client project, and she's scouting and finding the place that is going to be perfect for this thing. She she envisions it and and ends up making it, and it's like amazing to watch like the six week process of when she puts a mood board together to when she's editing photos from the shoot. It's like, wow, that's, (laughs) that's like what you set out to do. It's cool. Speaking of kind of like work styles and starting
0: your own thing, we were talking a couple weeks ago about where WTF came from. Right. And I'd love you to talk about that because we, uh, for our hundreds of thousands of listeners out there, (laughs) um, Abel and I worked together a few years ago at Deutsch. Um, So we're familiar with working together in an agency setting, but, because Abel's recently gone freelance and started his own thing and his brand is WTF. I'd love like why why you branded it that way, but like the philosophy behind it.
1: Yeah, well you also asked a minute ago um, when we started, when we like launched these things, we actually um, both launched our personal, our studios within a week of each other. Um, I helped her brand and, and do the website and stuff for hers. And I was kind of doing mine at the same time and juggling both of those and it was like, we had a conversation like, "Oh, when should we launch?" these? because we're both kind of like doing these at the same time, um, but the yeah. rollout strategy. Yeah, rollout strategy. Um, yeah, so I um, left um, student uh, ad agency last May and took some time to kind of figure out what I was what I was doing. And it kinda, you know, it kind of took me off guard. They downsized um, the department which uh, kind of took me off off guard and but also gave me an opportunity to really do some soul-searching what why was I so burned out anyway of what I was doing um, and really trying to figure out how to bring uh, the joy of work back into my life because I had really lost it I think and so I took a few months off to do that um, that really kind of looking in and sought the advice the advice and mentorship of some friends and um, when it kind of realized that also when I was talking to people about what I had been doing, because I hadn't really like updated my portfolio or for like five years because work was just kind of so intense. And we also moved from New York to LA where we met you, obviously. And we were there for two years before moving back. And so having a really intense job and then moving across the country and kind of uprooting and moving across the country and then moving back within two years is like way more intense than I would wish on anybody. It's uh, it, it was actually really challenging. It was kind of a surprise how difficult each one of those moves were. Like we actually thought moving back would be kind of easy because New York is home, and then it was it was just hard. It's just hard to move.
2: New York never makes it easy.
1: <laughs> yeah. <And> so <laughs> there's a
2: reentry a cost of reentry. Yeah. Re-entry.
1: So so many things had piled up to where I was I was just I was just burned out and and kind of reevaluating how I wanted to work, types of projects I wanted to work on, and even you know, who I wanted to work with or not. And so through that, um, was thinking a lot about what I didn't like about agency life was that as soon as you're salaried at an agency, creative agency, your time is expected whenever it's their time, it's their time. You're, you're, you know, 24 hours a day, you're basically on call. and And then on top of that, there's just the always on as far, you know, there's always on as far as the work goes. And then there's always on as far as like learning and staying on top of everything, pop culture, technology, uh, what's going on in the industry and who's doing what. And, um, it's really, it's really something that for years I kind of thrived in that environment. And then I got to the point where actually like it had a negative impact on my, on my health and and my day-to-day life. So, something has kind of changed i don't know if it's age i don't know if it's experience or or what or just what's going on in the industry right now with the way things are or where i was or whatever you know whatever it was i was not gonna put myself back into that situation again so wtf was really this sort of light bulb that went off in my head and i was like what if i kind of think about the four-day work week or you know as like a starting point of like how can i design a studio practice or even even my own sort of manifesto kind of thing of of reclaiming my time, and have it be out in front to where it's the first thing that someone might know about how I work, and so that it wasn't this like oh also I don't I'm not going to be available all the time you know it's not like this like or like sorry I didn't get your email I, I just don't have my email on some days or whatever you know uh, so WTF is a double entendre. One, it's really like, what are we doing? You know, because I love living uh, for the project that has never existed before. A lot of what I've done is kind of inventing things, trying to do things for the first time and kind of going to new territories with digital or brand or whatever. And I love that. So the um, so WTF kind of like speaks to that, but it also means Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And so I wrote this thing about um, taking back Mondays and how WTF is sort of an operating system for deep focus time and kind of the um, uh, anti-multitasking and not being on Slack and messages and phones and calendars and all these things all the time to kind of take Monday and then, you know, a little bit of Tuesday or whatever. But it, it, it doesn't mean I don't work Monday. It just means that Monday is a concept, like a day. It's almost the opposite. Yeah, I am working, and so I, I made, and I made this graphic. Sorry, I'm working, and wrote this post about taking back Mondays, and and it really is this thing. It's like, no, I, I'm not going to answer your call or be on Slack or, you know, be available 24 hours because I'm actually working. And so, and and working might look like walking around the Met or going to the park or having a meal to myself in the middle of the day, because. I believe, and I, and I, and from the response I've gotten from a lot of people is like the creative mind isn't, it doesn't really quiet down. Like you wake up in the middle of the night with an idea, you know, if, if, if you're trying to solve a problem and usually in our schedules is a few things at once, like there's always a few things you're juggling, then that happens really like walking is the best thing for that or exercise or definitely not sitting at a computer and, and being on Slack or searching on Google for answers, you know? So WTF, um, you know, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to practice and it's a constant sort of reevaluating what I'm doing. So I have a section on my site that I've been updating with links to articles about burnout and a lot of people are starting to talk about it. And what I've noticed and I'll end here is that a lot of people are talking about burnout, how to avoid it, what to do if you have it. And, I wanted to create a practice where it sort of expected it as like status quo and like and tries to you expect burnout expect burnout and how do we how do, you, how do you actually design a conversation of how we're going to work around that and also just better work because doing a hundred things kind of well is you know is tiring and uh, I want to do a few things really well and and I feel like if I'm going to be independent. Uh, then I have to be my best, you know, and and I'm going to be wearing, I'm going to be wearing more hats in that role. And so.
2: And I want to jump into um, about creating that space, the taking back the Mondays and creating space for, for deep thinking, really for ideating for uninterrupted flow, creative flow. I completely agree with that. And I feel that It looks different for every person, how that manifests itself in your day. But um, I think it's really important to be intentional about that time, to carve out space, whether it's at the beginning of a project where you can just let your mind wander unfettered um, without judging any of your thoughts. Like I feel like like that's really lost in the process. I don't wanna go on a, a huge tangent, but I feel especially now more than ever that that just being intentional about creating space for my mind to wander and to explore and to kind of turn over thoughts. Before I jump into a deck, before I jump into research, before I jump into whatever else the project calls for, um, before I put pen to paper, you need time. To just let your brain be free and to wander, uh, and I feel like that brings th- the strongest results.
0: I want to follow up on that because Abel, you kind of touched on how people have responded, and I'm, I'm curious how people have responded to like the philosophy that you laid out. But also, as a follow up to that, is how can people who work in places like this, in companies, you know, you have clients too, which is um, mm-hmm. they need to understand, but everyone has a boss. Mm-hmm. Like if you know that you're overwhelmed, if you know that you don't work well with a bunch of Slack notifications and emails and buzzes and vibrations going off, like are there a couple things or one thing that you can do to just help carve out a little space?
1: That's, I, I don't know if I know. I, I know that a hard reset helps and I'm not telling people to get new jobs or whatever, but, um, you know, it was, it was much easier for me to start a new thing and, and sort of say, this is what I'm doing rather than being an old thing and trying to retrain a hundred people that I'm only available. I mean, that's the thing is it doesn't work in in certain environments. And I think that um, there, mm. were, there were people- Can I interject?
2: N- I, I hear what you're saying, but I disagree.
1: Yeah. I
2: think it looks different in every space. Um, this has been something that I've battled with, um, all the years I was in agency land and, um, it's always been something that, that I've tried to kind of counteract. Um, I think the first place is to start by blocking an hour on your calendar, Mm -hmm. block it, claim it as your own, go out and walk around the block, go out and get a coffee or make that your lunch. I mean, I think... It's not always easy. I'm not trying to say that that it's easy, but if if you have a direct report, for example, give them a heads up, hey, I'm gonna go work on that brief. I'm gonna go walk around the block, get a coffee. If you let somebody know that you're working and you manage those expectations and you carve out that time, I feel like that's the place to start. Start with an hour. Um, Maybe it's an hour once a week. Maybe it's just when you're kicking off a project. Um, It depends what you need in your process, but I feel like there absolutely are ways within the agency to do that, and it's important to communicate what you're doing and how you work, and when your results, when the results come back strong, no one's gonna fault you for blocking time in your calendar and walking down the street and getting a coffee and walking around and coming back. I mean, we all know agency culture Th- there are so many other things that are going on in agency culture. That's the least of anyone's problem, you know? Right, so,
0: but unless you claim it, no one's going to give it to you.
2: Exactly, exactly. And un- unless you recognize it for yourself too, that that's something you need in your process and in your flow, um, no one will ever build that in for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, claiming something longer than an hour might might get tricky. And like, so I think...
2: I, I mean, start there. Yeah, start, start there. there.
1: And I think that... Um, I hope that more places are open to, you know, part-time remote working like Wednesdays or Tuesdays or whatever it might be. And I think that if you're at a place that doesn't value that and see the value in it, then, you know, you might want to reevaluate more things that are going on because I think that it's one of many systematic problems of an old way of working that we need to address, but um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think, that, yeah, Julia, yeah it does. Julia answered your question much better than me. But yeah, no, I, I think
0: it's. I mean, obviously, it's interesting getting both your perspectives on it because it's, it's not easy, right? And if the if the company doesn't, you know, hasn't set out a mission that says this is what we're going to do, we're not, you know, they're Silicon Valley startups that yeah. don't have meetings on Wednesdays or whatever. Um, but unless that's part of the company culture already, it feels like you're going out on a limb, and you almost look like a slacker, you know. You know, if you're well, like, oh, sure. I need, I need my time to do my thing. It's like, well, why can't you work within?
1: Well, it, how that's, we work? The, that's one of the problems at agencies. Is it's like, well, we're all here. You know, why are you? Why are you special? If, we're, if we do it, for, and if we do it for you, we have to do it for everybody. And I'm like, and I, you know, okay. And, so
2: so let's re let's rework this a little bit then. <laughs> okay, may, maybe you're still blocking your calendar because you know you have to, or you're going to be in a meeting. Block your calendar, and then go sit on a couch in some like. I don't know, Nook or whatever that your agency has, put on your headphones and jam and make that your space. Have a coffee or a tea, make it comfortable and let that be your space. I mean, I think that
0: You got to change your space every couple of weeks because you get on You got to change you. your space. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs>
2: the, the. <laughs> <laughs> well, but also just to refresh your, your your mind. If you're intentionally creating a space to to let the ideas flow, you have to get up away from your desk, change your scenery, be intentional about it, maybe put some vibes on your headphones and create a different space for yourself. So if you can't physically walk out of the office or go for a coffee for an hour, okay, fair. Sometimes sometimes your schedule is not going to allow for that. You can go to a different space and put your headphones on and create an environment and an atmosphere where you can let some ideas flow. I feel like that's the place to start though. If you're not speaking up and you're not doing this for yourself, finding ways to do this for yourself, then also agency culture will never change.
1: I, I will say that the space and, and time, like an hour here, hour there is, is part of it. That's, that's, that's only part of it. And I think another part is the always on that I mentioned is that agencies sell time, but they don't hire more people they sell that time to a client, but they don't increase the amount of people working on it. So the same people have, if there's a new client comes, the same same amount of people have to work on that new client on top of their work. And then on top of that, there there's a pitch to get new clients. So they, you know, this is the agency world that I signed up for and that I thrived in. I really enjoyed for a long time, but 10 to 12 hours a day, always being on with the, always, with the other Things I mentioned, as far as like staying up, staying current with what's going on, and then the work that you are doing is like making something out of nothing. You know, it's it's a lot, and so uh, yeah, finding an hour here, an hour there to to get away is part of it. But you still have lots of check-ins, lots of briefings, lots of meetings about meetings, and, and a lot of the other stuff, and the cognitive load of keeping track of all that stuff and wondering if you're missing something who's you know who's trying to get a hold of you and those kinds of things and it's um with all of that it, it's hard to ignore all that uh, for an hour here hour there true, true i'm talking about that's that's why i'm really talking about like a couple of days worth of the week and definitely not on weekends so that's gaining back four days out of out of Out of a week, not I'm not just talking about an hour here, out of there. So, uh, my happiness level, my well-being, everything is is much, much, much better. Like I, I, I've had friends tell me I'm almost like a different person. Uh, You know, Julia within a few months was like, "Wow, I feel like you're back." Like, you know, this is like, you know, old able, you know, or young able. Um, uh, You know what I mean? Um, So I think I think we have to do more to repair the way we work than snagging a few hours here and a few hours there. And that's a good place to start. But, um, you know, those, that's we- not a solution. Those weekends will still be someone else's weekends and and years will go by and you will realize you haven't, you, you've turned on a lot of pe- friends, or uh, or you'll just bring the midnight oil and you're, and you're, you know, not healthy. So, um, it takes a lot of work. I don't have the answers. I just, I'm pointing out some of the problems and I've, um, sacrificed some other things that are cushy about agency world to to not you know to not have those things so that I can uh, have a little bit of my life back. So that's that's that was my response. And I would I would still love a full time job if it aligned with some of those values and and you know had really interesting problems to work on. But I I haven't found that. So I'm I'm doing really cool work on on my own. Right. With very cool clients, thankfully.
0: On that then. When you get a new project, when, when you kick off, how do you guys get started? What's the first thing you do? Like when it's deal signed, you know, you're like,
3: it's like, okay, go.
1: I take a week off. I'm
3: <laughs> 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 just, just, just joking.
1: Sad I'll let Julia answer. I've been That's talking terrible. a little too much.
2: I go out and walk around. Yeah, after the briefing, the briefing's always important to me. Um, It's always important to have that in my head as well as the strategy. And then I put my headphones on and I go out and I walk around. You know, similar to what what I was mentioning before, I feel like it's important to carve out space for your thoughts to kind of wander uh, before you have to nail those down and articulate and, you know, see where they lead. And so I feel like that space is, is important. Abel and I like to call it rambling. Um, we go out rambling around the city and, you know, sometimes it's like two, three miles. Sometimes you walk the bridge. I don't know. Sometimes you walk from like the Met all the way down to, I don't know, like Soho or, I mean, you know, have a good walk. What do you think it is
0: about walking specifically?
2: I think part of it's the physicality. Usually I'm excited about a project. So I have like pent up energy. So it's nice to like get out and stretch my legs. But then I think for me, especially, I like to take in the light, the color, what's going on around me, the textures, you know, all of those all of those things from day-to-day life, walking through the streets, seeing things unfold, looking at things in windows. It's so vibrant in New York, I feel like, it plays into my ideas and my projects and often in surprising ways that I don't anticipate. So I may see um, a certain texture, a material on something that'll trigger an idea for some material aspect of a still life shoot or something that I'm doing. You know, it'll, it'll show up in different ways or a color. It'll set me on a, a path for a color palette I'm trying to nail down. It, it all feeds back into the work. And so, uh, yeah, I feel like it's the process of looking, seeing, taking it in, just kind of like letting, flowing through that process and then writing things down, taking whatever snapshots for references with my phone um, and then coming back and processing, you know, what sticks? uh, What am I still thinking about? What am I still excited about? And then moving on from there.
1: And there's also like, proven science behind walking and the sort of the mundaneness physicality of it that allows your mind to
3: wander. What is kind of on that, like, what does it feel like when you sit still? Because it seems
0: like you both have that in common that you want to, that you start by moving. You start by kind of gathering.
1: Well, we also sit and sketch. So, And that's, that's the other part of the process is um, we'll both sit and sketch out things. and. And so sitting is still like um, when we're working, sitting is still very active, and we're drawing or writing. And we'll both go to the cafe together for a few hours and and sketchbook and just kind of sit and and work out um, things. And so that is a time where we try to be off of screens and away from any you know away from things and caffeinate and have a snack and just be there and write down thoughts and try to make connections and um, capture those thoughts as they come. So, um, which also is usually part of a a wander, a ramble also. Another two-part question.
0: How do you define an idea? And then I'm particularly interested in this from you guys because you each do a bunch of different things. So maybe more broadly and then how it's different. But then how do you know when you see or have a great idea, one that you think is
1: great?
2: That's a great question. Yeah,
1: it is great. Um, I have some thoughts.
2: Yeah, you start.
1: Okay, um, so coming up with an idea—that's uh, first half. Um, I do a lot of writing, in, whether in the ske- or and sketching, um, whether in my sketchbook or oh, depending on the project. But I'll open up like a text edit, just a blank text edit, and I'll usually. Um, make it like a square and I have like my fonts all like set up it's like I'm kind of like okay this is the shape of this this window on my computer and I'll just start writing things and on a because it's it's kind of forced you into a list almost um, because of the nature of the software and then if I want another list I'll I'll create a new one and I'll have those next to each other and sometimes I'll have five of them with different Pieces of info, and I and I do it. I do it in text edit because it's really quick, and I can edit and I can move things around quickly. Um, but also, I can have like a bunch of different lists on the screen and see them all at the same time, and that allows me to make connections. So that gets the other part of your your question is like where ideas come from. I'll just write a lot of things out, and so how I know it's good or not. I think a good idea is quickly understood simply stated and and hits the right tone and and that and the tone could be you know that kind of goes back to like what you're trying to do like if it's trying to be funny or sad or dramatic or whatever you know like that kind of tone so a lot of uh, the projects i've been working on over the years have had some sort of play in like and culture to where it's like some interactive piece, whether it needs to work on Twitter or on a website or on in social or or, or that kind of thing. So, um, if it works in the media medium that it's meant for, then it's even better. So, there's a lot of there's a lot of different parts of it that have to work and kind of line up, and that's where that list is kind of cool. Um, and then. So it then, almost
3: always starts with just text text boxes it, on your desktop
1: a lot of its text boxes or I'll do that if I do that in my sketchbook it's it's a total mess but uh, even even more so um, but I'll also do it sometimes in my in or on in, on paper and some sort of book and then um, but then if it's an idea of thing like like a logo I'm drawing like the same thing over and over again and like d- with different markers and different pens and different surfaces and just kind of like Um, I had this, um, workshop at RISD when we, when I was there, um, with Martin Vanesky, is this amazing designer. And I wish I could have taken the whole semester, but his thing with this workshop is, and it was, this was a two week workshop version of this like thing he does for a semester, but he gives everyone in the class, like a brown paper bag and it has an item, like a, like a thousand of things of that one thing. So like rubber bands or I got paper clips. So I got like, he's just like, yeah, explore the paper clip. And, um. So I just had to start, just take the paper clip and just start making things from it and and just explore what is this paper clip and what other things. And and that really, that taught me a lot actually and about just like taking this thing and just exploring every avenue of it. What if it's silver? What if it's a drawing? What if I blow it up? What if I do it under a microscope? What if I do this? And just playing with scale and contrast but if you do that, well, you can do that with language and you can do that with design. And, and that's kind of how my mind works. It's like zoom in, zoom out, zoom over here, zoom over there, connect it with this thing and, and just kind of play until on, and something sticks. And it's, it's a fun journey to go down, but it's a little chaotic to, <laughs> if you were to kind of come peer in on it.
2: <laughs> Man, yeah, right on.
0: <laughs> it's, Any of that surprised you, Juliet, or is that, that?
2: No, it doesn't surprise kn- me, but... Uh, you know by now. I just liked hearing him describe his process. I thought that was cool. Um, That's
0: pretty cool.
2: I mean, my process is different because the, very different because the work is very different. So I don't feel like mine is as clear cut. When I'm out looking for ideas or I need to be inspired, um, oftentimes I'll find myself in galleries or museums investigating a certain direction that relates to the project. Uh, You could call that research. You could call that you know, searching for ideas, whatever you want to call it. But that's definitely will you,
0: will you seek out will it be like I wanna to go to the Whitney to see this this exhibit? Or is it more just like I'm gonna go find some interesting things and see what that what that Oh yeah, out? no, it's
2: more intentional. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I ha- I I curate a, a monthly um, gallery and museum list for myself and keep that part of my active process. Do you publish that? Uh in some in my newsletter.
3: Oh Ooh. <laughs> mirror, mirror, can we get the URL? <laughs>
0: shameless plug,
2: shameless plug uh, on my website. Our,
0: that can be the sponsor of this podcast. Your, yeah. <laughs> it's Julia's newsletter.
1: <laughs> yes, excellent. <laughs> I love
2: that. Um, but uh, that's something that's part of my active process. So whether I'm on a project or or I'm in the middle or I'm wrapping up another project, that's that's already in the flow. Um, but specifically, if depending what the brief is. I'll research a certain thing and and I'll go look at work and just be engulfed by it. Just surround myself around lots of different things. Um, I think it's important to look at its place in history. I think it's um, important to understand what you're trying to say now, especially when you're representing communities or people or telling stories. And so I'll, I'll just like I'll work through that, I'll look at different images, I'll look at um, look at magazines, um, kind of try and watch films, different things to just get the juices flowing. It, it's really looking for creative stimuli to get the juices flowing. And then once they're flowing, I think for me it's important, I really try to value a seedling of an idea. Sometimes you don't know that the idea is incredible because it needs to be developed a little bit more, it needs to cook, it needs, uh, you know, especially for photography, I feel it's it's very iterative. So I feel like it it needs time to to really bake. Um, So I try to be protective of those ideas. I don't share those with a lot of people. Um, If I'm excited and I feel like Ooh, this one has legs. This is this is interesting. It has reach. There's something that makes me really excited about it. Like Abel mentioned, I I definitely see my ideas before I make them. Um, I definitely share them with Abel. I'll be like, okay, here's an idea. It's still not baked, so don't don't critique it, but just listen yeah, to it. Yeah, we both do that. We're we have to like- clarify. We have to clarify. I don't want any feedback. I just want
1: to talk about it I so just want
2: to talk about it and share it because I'm want, excited you don't want
0: any kind of feedback well at that, at that and stage. not at that stage okay. no it's okay. like don't shoot it down because it right. could kill right. the idea
2: it could right. kill the seedling of, of the idea that's not really baked yet that, so,
0: that kind of gets it I, I'd love to riff on that a little bit sure because I love both your take on what makes a good collaborator you know in that in that stage mm. right? this is where yeah. I think a, you know a theme of this is yeah. like Obviously we're talking to a lot of creative people. but it's also like how do the rest of us who are creative adjacent work with people who are creative and work in a different workflow who might need to block an entire day to come up with you know with their work to be able to present it the other four work days out of the week or just work differently? What do you guys value in a collaborator in someone who's on the business side who's who's like, developing an ask and we'll be evaluating the work and helping sell it, et cetera.
2: Um, I think there needs to be equity in um, valuing each other's ideas and trusting each other. I think that that needs to be, I think that's paramount actually. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't have equal respect and equal value of what each other brings to the table, then it's always going to be off balance. And that's never going to be a safe space to brainstorm or riff on ideas or start with something that sounds kind of dumb and then work it out and and give it the space for it to to get legs and actually have meaning. So that's number one off the bat for me. When there's equal respect too, you want to hear each other's ideas. You wanna value each other's ideas. And Abel and I talk about this a lot because we have collaborated on client work and enjoy collaborating on client work. And we're both strong leaders. And um, one of the things we've had to negotiate through the years is, uh, and I think this applies to all collaborators, I think that humility is really important and you have to be able to recognize when, when an idea should lead regardless of who has the idea or where it comes from, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's not your idea. And the strongest thing for the work is to recognize that and to support and push that idea further. Uh, It's not about owning the idea. It's not about owning the project. If it's a true collaboration, you're creating it together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's really important. That's been really important for us when we're on set together too is uh, valuing each other's ideas and and also just stepping back when you need to step back and recognizing now there, there's something beautiful here that needs to play out
0: yeah well how about you like when you think about people you've collaborated in the past or what or what attributes you like you know whether it's like i'm a strategist with other strategists you work with mm-hmm. account people producers technologists
1: well i think you in your an original question you kind of said collaboration but also like um, presenting and getting work approved which I think maybe for this argument those are two different things I think collaborate let's maybe just talk about collaboration yeah, sure. of like making the work and developing the work together the, the getting approval and that kind of thing is a different thing And um, but I think the developing the work and you know the concepting to production of the work and editing that kind of thing whatever it might be whether it's a website or a photo shoot I think totally trust and humility, like Julia said, and recognizing that the other person's strengths, recognizing their weaknesses is not good. Like, you know, um, recognizing their strengths is good. You know, kind of go for strength forward, not not weakness forward, you know, um, because uh, it's not really good to think about your collaborator as like weak, you know? And so it's just, it's just sort of a mental shift, I think. But um, so... Because also, everyone's wanting to work on their weaknesses and, and overcome things. And uh, so, a lot of times in the past, I've asked people on my team, like, what do you want to get out of this project? And at the beginning of a project, we'll have personal goals of like what everyone's wanting to do out of this thing. Like, oh, I would love to do, um, you know, I would love to do a logo design, or I would love to, like," you know, do more animation, or I'd love to do whatever it is. And so, And since I've been creative director on a lot of projects over the last five years, I've been able to help other people achieve their goals because I've been kind of like the leader of whatever project. And so being able to to recognize opportunity for other people to try new things um, and also help people succeed in what they're doing.
2: I will say, though, I think different perspectives on your team are really important.
1: Very, very important. Really,
2: really important and someone that will push the work. I mean, you don't want a bunch of yes people on your team.
3: What's the best
0: way
1: to push the work? I think ask questions. Like Julie and I will do that. And we're like, well, what if it's this, or is this too much? This is that, you know, whatever. Is this really say enough, or is this do you know? And like questioning, question. You know, when, when I was coming up as a young creative in high school, I. And even sometimes in the agency world, sometimes asking questions is seen as weakness. It's seen as like, oh, you don't really understand it or you don't have vision. And it's like, no, man, asking questions and questioning everything is like the best part of making work better. And so I think the best part of a relationship with a collaborator is that you can really do the mental leap of like, well, if it was this, then what would it be like? Or like, cause there's so many directions you could go, you know, from blue to red is, you know, Different or black to white, Uh, you start to evoke different things. Just talking about color, then you start talking about texture, and then talk about who's in this thing. Who, you know, what are we saying? What are the words? You know, every every thing that you, every element you add to a project, um, you that little friendly debate of what would it be like is is uh, if you can't go through that exercise with a collaborator, then it's just not going to work. Because if you have someone be like, well, why are you questioning it? I wrote that. It's like, well step back a second. I'm not saying you're not a good writer. I'm just questioning if this is really what we're wanting to say. like it you wrote it well or what you know whatever. but maybe it's not what we're trying to say. and, and like doing that mental exercise because often it doesn't mean just because I'm asking the question doesn't mean I'm like trying to say we shouldn't do it right. or that you're wrong or whatever. I'm just let's just go through the mental exercise real quick. Bring me on board with what you were doing. Sometimes me asking a question means that my collaborator has to bring me on board to what they're doing. I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. If you're if that's what we're trying to do, maybe we could do that over all these things and like change everything. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that mental exercise, and it's a lot of fun. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes that's the best part of a project is just the sort of the riffing, the riff. Oh man, I mean, I know, I know. For
0: me, you know, the strategists fit into a different flow, but to me, the first time we see work is always the best thing because. It's never what you expect, and I think if you come in, I think some people like write a brief and they're like, "Oh, I want this work," mm-hmm. and I think you have to write it with like it could be anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like Christmas morning, yeah. You know, and sometimes it's like I didn't really want that, <laughs> and sometimes it's like holy shit, <laughs> yeah. And so like finding those parts of it and trying to foster the,
1: yeah. I get, with I just get like. Joyful when I think about the kind of work that we get to do from day to day. It's like, it's unbelievable the privilege to be able to make this kind of work and 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 to have these kinds of conversations. And yeah, that just like showing your work for the first time, it never necessarily gets easier. Uh, it's, there's always a little bit of nerves around it, like I'm gonna like, and then or like when a project goes live, like putting it out in the world, like all right, what are my peers gonna think? What are the what are people right, gonna think? Right. It's like it never gets easy. Just uh, I've I've I think launch day should be like a holiday. Like anytime you really like that day and the next day should just be like you should not be, you, you should be. Uh, in your happiest place with the people that you love to take care of you, because mm-hmm. it's always it's always uh, a downer. Because like even if it's going well, it's just like well, one there's so much work that leads up to it, you know, uh, that, to where all of a sudden it, it's you're not doing anything, and you're like, right, wait, what? It's do like I the
2: post launch depression. <laughs> yeah, it's kind
1: of like uh, what do I do now? <laughs> what do I have left? It's
0: exhausting. I remember I remember reading a, a few years ago that um, some research on vacations, and they they found that the highest the biggest spike of happiness was in the planning process, which is kind of the hmm. part we're talking about yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, right? And it was like, obviously, it's, it's counterintuitive. Like when you're on a beach in Hawaii or something, is is actually not the best.
1: So the anticipation is better than reality. Yeah, that's sad. And of course,
0: the <laughs> of course the like hashtag like take me backs so are I'm, I'm yeah. sure peak for some people. But yeah, it's that it's the planning process. It's like the anticipation of what this thing could be.
1: All right, Julia, we gotta stop going on holiday. Just always plan. Just it. plan them. <laughs> yeah, and then cancel. Yeah, cancel. We we'll just keep anyway. pushing it back. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. um, we're gonna do something new. This is episode four, and we're introducing something new. We're gonna do what we're calling the final five, five relatively rapid-fire questions for each of you to answer.
1: Cool.
3: So, first one: What did you want to be when you were a kid?
1: Trumpet player, jazz trumpet.
2: Artist, writer, in theater. Musician, every basically everything in the creative arts. Also kind of like Indiana Jones. Then I circled back to uh, oh yeah, scientist. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was really into geology. geology. Still really am. Yeah. Love science. Then it circled back to art.
0: Okay. Uh, what's your favorite idea of all time? The the we had that that's hard. Yeah, it could be one that you had, or could be one that you.
2: The admire. next one I have. My next idea. Your
1: next one. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, like that. that was terrible. Well, I would. One of my favorite. One of my favorite ideas is probably Ta.co, Just the idea of of like launching that website um, with the URL Ta.co. It's like, it was so fun when we were talking about ideas a minute ago of just like the, just, seemed perfect for the medium or whatever. Um, yeah, I wish they would use it more. I think they.
3: The 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 URL specifically.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, we've got Co. The URL to launch Taco Bell's new website. This is years ago now, but um, it was just—it was just so fun. It was just like launching a website with a, a four, you know, five-character URL that's Taco right. for Taco Bell. Um, it was just—it was just fun. That was it, a good one. It was just it was, it came out of nowhere. Came out of a conversation. It was super fun. So,
2: okay, I thought of mine. Okay, um, I was working on a emerging beauty beauty line. Um, and, uh, one of the things that was important, uh, was these surprising combinations within the ingredients. Um, and they were trying to communicate and push that forward. So, I incorporated surprising combinations into all of the visuals by taking, um, patterns that were, uh, on the packaging printing them out in real life, making curtains and fabrics and creating environments of a pattern clash scenario. Then um, working with our stylist to style more patterns on top of those patterns to shoot within this environment. So this um, surprising combinations drove the whole brand campaign. Um, I was really excited about that. That
0: sounds cool. What brand was it for?
2: For Wildest product co
0: yeah it was cool what is something you're super excited about right now
2: Um, I'm creating uh, it's a personal project Uh, I was interested in synthetic materials versus natural materials and how they coexist within a space so especially New York nature versus man-made structure versus um you know all this new development that's going on uh went to lowe's a couple weeks ago picked up a bunch of stuff and just started playing in the in the studio um got some fresh flowers from the the bodega and it's kind of turned into this still life series that's a meditation on synthetic materials versus natural Uh, it's really colorful it's bright it's bold and so i'm playing with i'm physically creating these uh, these structures and photographing them in a studio space and uh kind of came out of a seed of an idea uh that i chased and um i'm really digging it it's it's so much fun um but i also feel like it has a lot of um a lot to comment on the space and um uh environment right now too so
1: super cool yeah, mine is also a personal project. I recently launched an online art zine called Lookbook. So, you know, obviously the studio is called WTF. So, that's the URL is wtf.studio, but the Lookbook is lookbook.wtf. So, try to bring that back. Um, and yeah, I've launched two of them, two like issues or zines now, books. Um, and I'm I'm working on the third one, but they are they're sort of an anti-Instagram interactive zine with poetry and animation and interactions and stuff. And then um, each one will have a 10 track Spotify playlist that's sort of loosely fits around the theme. And so the last one was States I have lived in. And like I mentioned, I moved around a little bit and then Julie and I have moved around a lot um, since 2002. And so... The playlist is sort of a semi-autobiographical uh, playlist of music that we are listening to in each one of those places, mm. and ends with a track that I wrote and released, uh, uh, "Commute," you know, "Commuter." So it's it's like I don't know. It's just it's fun. Like, uh, why not why not do that? So that's what I'm doing.
3: What do you hope people say about you when you're not in the room? <laughs> that's a hard one.
2: It's a really hard one. Um, I hope people see me as a as a creative thinker and. A collaborator that values others other people and their ideas Um, I hope I'm also seen as someone that will um, that will push the work elevate the work and also execute the work at a high level Um, craft is really important to me so I mean a creative thinker a problem solver a maker
1: am I similar I I would hope that people would say Abel will figure it out yeah, you know, that's it like, it might not
3: look like it but he'll
1: you know, figure it out that,
3: I think that's fair I think I've heard people say that about you so. uh, <laughs> thank, thank you uh, what or who would you like to
1: shout out I think I've done all the shouting out uh, <laughs> definitely <laughs> personally
2: I want to shout out my girlfriends Uh, My close girlfriends, they're really the movers and shakers that are working on changing conversations and pushing the needles So I want to shout out my girls thankful for you But I also want to shout out all the people in the creative space that that are trying to Actualize their dreams. They're trying to push push their idea forward push their future forward Um, It's hard and I just want to recognize that and say keep going nothing good comes easy it takes time give yourself some patience um, and some time and keep at it um, keep showing up and you're going to get there
0: beautiful let's end on that julia paris abel paris thank you for being here thank, thank you, for you for having us. us version final is recorded in the conde Nast podcast studio on the 24th floor of one world trade center in new york it's edited and produced by brett fuchs design is by alicia haberman theme song is by abel paris at commuter special thanks to all the cnxers who have contributed and thank you for listening until next time